All right, let's, let's, if we can put up Psalm 50 and verse 23. Psalm 50 and verse 23. Let me show you something very important. All right. It says here, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And then it says, And unto him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. It says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, that you praise him. And then in addition to that, to him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. So it says, he orders his conversation aright, I will show that person the salvation of God. So it's a combination of two things. Uh, the first being that this individual or person or group of people are offering up praise. Uh, the second is that they also now understand that we order our conversation aright. Now, conversation doesn't mean discourse aright with speech. In other words, just naturally speaking, when you say I'm having a conversation with a person, it means that we are having a verbal exchange there, all right, of words. But when it says conversation here, it's talking about uh, the, your behavior, uh, the way and manner in which you conduct yourself. And in specific terms here, he's talking about your interaction with other people. Now, first of all, just in a broad-based way, let's show what, what conversation means. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 13. Galatians 1 verse 13. It says, For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. Now, he wasn't referring to how I used to talk, all right, in the Jewish religion. Right, because he said, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. That was his conversation. That was the way and manner in which he was activities, he was carrying out his behavioral pattern there. And then in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, it talks about in time past when we had, among whom also we had, our conversation is not talking about just exchange of words. In time past, in the lusts of our flesh. I don't just, just words. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. So it talks about offering God praise and then ordering your conversation aright. And this is why we talk about, and this uh, two months we are praying in wisdom on different areas of our lives. For you should hold fast your confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm unto the end. But what is expected of you is that there will be a reordering of your conversation in order for the thing that you are praising God about will come to pass in your life. 
There should be a reordering of your conversation. In other words, your mind is renewed by God in that particular process there of believing God. Uh, so we're looking at, in specific terms, all right, a certain area uh, this morning on the subject here of conversation. In other words, all right, handling your conversation and, and ordering it aright, all right, before the Lord. Now remember, he says, put up 50 again on verse 23, whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me. And then he says, unto him that orders his conversation aright, we will show the salvation of God. Now, put up James chapter 3, and let me first start with this verse, James 3, and it says, and verse 9, it talks about the tongue and says, therewith we bless God, even the Father, and it says, and we curse men, who are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. And he talked about the fact that, my brethren, this ought not to be so. So here he's talking about a man who is offering praise, but then that person also curses, all right, and speaks evil of men. Now, from verse 1, he is building a point here. It says, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. He said, for in many things we offend all. But if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, unable to bridle or bring in subjection the whole body. Then he said, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. And then he talks about ships. And then he talks about the tongue. And he says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. How great a matter a little fire kindled. Well, the first thing... I want to bring here is this. It says here we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and by that we turn around their entire body. And he now talked about in verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. But up here it talks about we put beads in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn about their entire body. Now, I want to reference this, right? And because when we usually preach from this as one of his teachers, we just go to the fact that we put beads in horses' mouths and we turn about their entire body. And so we say we should put God's word in our mouth concerning a thing all right, so that we'll turn about the entire body. And the context in which we look at James chapter 3, 
all right, is what we'll call, we'll look at it in a single story context, which means we have defined that entire chapter one way in what, and you have to be careful of this, all right, it's called a confirmation bias. In other words, once something has been taught to you in a particular way, you have what is called the confirmation bias. You only want to understand that thing if it reinforces that your initial understanding. And anybody that says anything that slightly differs from that, then people militate against it. Even if their understanding is not delivering the results, people would rather hold on to that understanding than change things. That's just the way human nature is. And that's why human nature can be very dangerous when it comes to progress. Because people would rather hold on to tradition than do anything that changes tradition, even if they're not getting results. So we've had, and I just said that to help in looking at scripture. But so we have that single all right, definition here. But let's look at what Psalm 32 talks about when it says we put bits in horses' mouths. Look at Psalm 32. It says this, verse 6, For everyone, for this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee, in a time where they may found, surely the great waters, flood of great waters, they shall not come near me. Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee in the way that thou shalt go, I will guide thee as my, with my own eye. Be not as the horse or the mule, which have no understanding. And because they have no understanding, we have to put, all right, their mouth must be held with a bit and a bridle so that they don't come near thee. In other words, we put bits in horses' mouths because they lack understanding. Do you get what I'm saying here? So we have to control that. Now it says, without that understanding, this is what uh, part of what James is saying, is saying there that what you really need is understanding. And we'll get to what it means by this. That what you really need is understanding and the lack of that understanding, we put these bits in their mouth so they don't come near us. What do they mean by they don't come near us? It says so that they don't uh, become violent and, and physically assault us. So the reason why we put it is that people can become violent. Now, so what James is talking about, he's talking about, all right, an exchange of words between people, and when somebody lacks, all right, understanding of certain things, then that tongue becomes deadly, it becomes unruly, and it becomes a deadly poison. In other words, as, and it says it can escalate into a physical combat. Are you getting what I'm saying here? So every you see a person that rushes to punch somebody is in response to what the person said. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't just go physical at the beginning. It starts with an exchange of words. 
Now, a man of understanding will speak words and turn away wrath. A man who lacks understanding will use his words to escalate. Are you, you get what I'm saying here? So what he's talking about here is not just, you know, consciously putting things on people's lips to be repeating. He's actually talking about wisdom that manifests itself in speech. Do you get what I'm saying here? Now, I'll show you what he's talking about here. All right? It's a wisdom there that manifests itself in speech. So we go back to James in that light here. James chapter 3 here. All right? So, so two people can be talking, and you are, in a, you are in an environment, you are exchanging words, and then the person insults your mother. Are you following what I'm saying? And suddenly, it was just a discourse. It could even have been as simple as a plate, just who you will wash the plate. Do you get what I'm saying? It shouldn't lead to physical combat. Then somebody says something on washing plate, and it becomes taking that plate, no longer washing it, but breaking the plate on the head of that person. Do you see the effect of words there? So he wasn't just speaking about you saying, I believe I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I believe, you understand what I'm saying there? It was a deeper use, and I don't talk about this, about your tongue. All right, and, and wisdom there. So it goes on. All right. It says, We put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about the entire body. That's why it says, If, if many things will offend all, if a man offend not in word. Now he's talking about, all right, that man is a perfect man. He's saying that this is a perfect man. All right. In other words, where you'll see this, where there's an exchange of words, and a man, all right, doesn't offend in word. It tells you that that man has come to a place of mastery. That man is a perfect and a mature man. That man has control over his entire being. That things were said that should provoke this person to say something, and that person crafted their speech. Do you get what I'm saying here? In such a way, and what he's talking about here is you can craft your speech to turn away disaster. This is what he's saying here. You know, it says, It says, I will teach you. I will guide you. In other words, after I've taught you, then you have understanding. So that you are not as a horse or the mule that has no understanding. And we'll see that this is what Solomon prayed for. This kind of understanding when you come to naughty issues. And you are dealing with men. And that's what I'm getting to here. That is, he says, whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me. And instead of cursing men when there is a conflict, do you get what I'm saying? He orders his conversation aright. That man will see the salvation of God. 
Let me show you something. I was reading the Bible this morning and I saw something. You know, there was a king in the beginning of 2 Kings that Elijah knew everything that was going. Elijah had the king, what was my thing, Ahaziel. So he had fallen and he went to meet Belzebub to, to, to find out whether he will, be, he will get well or not. And Elijah heard and said, is there no God in Israel? And placed a judgment on him and said, you will not get off that bed. You will die there. So he sent people to Elijah. Sent first men 50-50, they went there. Elijah was sitting there, commanded fire from heaven, consumed them. Okay? They died. When they got there, we'll get to it. They just said, our master said so, so, and so, they died. Second set came. The, man, the leader too said, our master says, fire come on you. He died. The third set, that master did not talk like them. <laughs> Whoso addressed his conversation aright. Same situation. The man bowed down and said, at this day, he said, why don't you think about it? The Bible says, and the Lord spoke to Elijah. Get up and follow him. This, is, this was the third person. Two people had come with the same request. They died. A third man came and presented it in another way. And God spoke to Elijah. The Bible says, he that uttereth his conversation aright, I will show the salvation of God. In other words, you can be believing God for something, but the way you behave is causing fire instead of answer. Do you get what I'm saying? All right? So, who saw, so we've got to understand. You can't take away your personal behavior. Are you following what I'm saying here? You can't say that, well, you know, I'm, I'm praying for more clients for my business, and there's no change in your behavior. You get what I'm saying? And say, what are you doing? What is the confession? The confession is that I'm calling them forth from north, east, south, and west. Okay. And one of them showed up and said something to you that should provoke you. And you tongue-lashed that person. <laughs> then after you did that, you went back to your confession in your book. <laughs> From the north, south, east, and west. <laughs> when he says death and life are in the power of the tongue, he's not just saying that you are repeating something. Do you get what I'm saying? So, you can see what's going on here. We put bits in us, man, that may obey us to talk about their body. Behold, sheep, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, are turned about with a very small hand without whoever the governor listed. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. How great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members. That it defileth the whole body. Literally, it says the tongue is so placed in our bodies that through wrong words, you can defile every part of your body. In other words, the position of your tongue is such that it is connected to every part of your body. What you say resonates with every part of your body. Words you speak affect all right, every element in your body. 
And I'm telling you, this might be the root off. When you might be confessing, I'm healed, I'm healed. But in conflict with people, you curse them out. It says you do that, you are defiling your physical body. Don't forget, the first well that God, we'll talk about this during the joy meeting, was a place of bitterness. When God brought sweet waters, you know what God said? He said, I will take away all the sickness and disease in Egypt away from you. In other words, he was tracing bitter waters as the root cause of physical ailment. Go and read it. All right? So what James is really talking to is that you can have your prayer, you are confessing, you get outside there, somebody splashes water on you, and you give it to that person. But as you finish, you go back and say death and life. And you don't even think that that had anything to do with what you were praying about. That inside the office, there is a conflict. Now, this is where he's going. That the man that orders his conversation is talking about something. And there's a conflict inside the office. Somebody that robs you of wrongly, all right? And, and you give it to that person when you get there in the morning. Even call your friend and say, listen. I just gave it. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've just, that's, that's his spirit has calmed down, which means I, I ain't judge his heart with my words. Then he said, hey, that prayer point we're talking about, that, where do we have it? <laughs> so it says here, all right, even so the tongue is a little member. Uh, the tongue is so placed in our bodies that through wrong words or with words that come out, you can defile every part of your body and then set ablaze the whole of your life. That's the entire life, you set it ablaze and it is set on fire of hell that comes as a result of provocation. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. First Kings chapter three and verse seven. First Kings chapter three and verse seven. First Kings chapter three and verse seven. First Kings three and seven. He says, "And now, Lord my God, thou hast made me servant, thy servant king, instead of David my father, and I'm but a little child. I know not how to go out nor come in." He says, "My servants in the midst of the people thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude." Verse nine. 
Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. All right? That's the same thing he said. He says, when you are without understanding, they have to put a bridge and be understanding how to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy people so great a people? First then, it says, and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this thing. What was it? And God said, because you have asked for this thing and not asked for thyself long life, neither asked riches nor asked for life alone, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern what? Judgment. In other words, which means that you are asking for understanding to be able to judge a right. That's what you're asking for. You are asking, so you are in a situation and there's, there's a conflict there and you are asking for understanding, which means Abraham was in a situation and strife came between him and Lot. And the understanding that Abraham had was that he told Lot and Lot could not have refuted that. He said, anywhere you want, take. He said, I give you the advantage here. Take it. He said, there must be no strife between us. He said, I want you to part ways with me, but I want you to part and for you not to say that Abraham cheated me. So take whichever one you want. And, Abraham, and Lot pointed to something, and Abraham said, fine. Is that the price of peace? said, that's the price of peace. He said, all right. You've taken it. All right? And, and we see this, if, if, if you put up um, 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 verse 18, we'll get to it, but if you put up verse 18, it says the fruit of righteousness is sown in, no, no, verse 18 of James 3, sorry. It says the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace among them that make peace. And he's talking about that wisdom, we'll get there, that the wisdom will always produce peace. When that wisdom is in operation, it always produces peace. That's the object of that wisdom in the dealings there. Instead of there to be an escalation. So he says, whosoever orders, uh, offers praise and in his dealings with people walks in the path of peace. All right? So if there's this much anger and you are causing problem everywhere, look, let me tell you, the chances of fulfilling destiny are very low. He says, who am I going to show my salvation? A person that does that, the next set of things that will happen in that person's life will be things that will deal with salvation. And he says, the only way you can do this is that when you are in a situation, go to God in prayer and ask him for his wisdom, that you be endued with knowledge from God, all right, on high concerning that thing, that you go to him, right, and you go there to hear. And in terms of a resolution of crisis, that you just go to him in prayer, I'm saying, look, Lord, I'm asking you here, what exactly, how, how do we deal with this? How do I deal with this particular situation, all right, with this person, all right, in, in the way? And God can tell you many things. He can, he, can, he can instruct you to say that, well, the best thing to do here is, when, when we say you sacrifice something, he looks at it and says, look, this person believes they are contributing something into your life, and whatever they feel they are contributing is what is giving them the legitimate, quote and unquote, right, as far as they're concerned, to make this demand that is provoking you. 
If you stop the contribution which will cost you something, then the right and claim of this person over your life goes. And in that way, you will have peace. Then you look at your life without the contribution that person is making. And there's emptiness. God says, I will fill that one. Are you following what I'm saying? God tells you, look, don't worry about that, I'll feel it. Right? But he, you, you go to him, and, and this is, you, you, can't, you can't run away. I'm trying to tell you that, that that's why, that, that's why, you know, when, I'm telling you, when you are confessing for something, you are going to come into a situation where you are believing God for something, where there will be human conflict that God wants you to resolve. If you resolve it right, is where the results of your faith will show up. I believe that with all of my heart. That's why when Bishop Butler told the story about that stand pastor that left, and God said certain things to him in resolving the issue, and, and, and all of that, I, and he said from there, his church just, I, I understand there will be that conflict, and this is what he's saying, I'll bring you to the waters of strife. You will come to a place of strife. Now, nobody can tell you what you should do, but we can tell you that go and meet God for wisdom. And God's wisdom will be different from what you are thinking. That's what we can tell you. Your initial thought is not what the wisdom of God will say. And the wisdom of God will give you a perspective, all right, on that particular thing. That's why I believe that the place where people will grow the most in their lives is inside family structures because you are closely knit. And you rob yourselves wrongly. And you have to resolve those things. Or there will be major splits there. So it is a resolution there, all right, of, of crisis there, okay? You have to, all right? Some of the best people that God will bring into your life will come with character flaws. Do you get what I'm saying here? Yeah. Which is to test your own wisdom capacity to be able to do what is called man management. I said this on Sunday. I mean, I was watching this. One of the, they said the best batsman probably in the history of English cricket. But he had a hot head. And he would react. And they were asking his former captain. And the captain said, look, it was leadership failure after he left. He said, I know him. I know he can walk up to you. He can do this. He said, but let me tell you, this man, he counted, said he won the World Cup for us. When everybody collapsed, he was the only one that held out against the Australian team. He said, without him in the English team, we know that we won't have won some of these things. He said, so all you have to do is to manage, all right, this way this man said, and the minute I left, nobody could manage. And so there'll be a lot of, I mean, I remember once the landlord was when I met him, he said, he said, somebody behaved so much. He said, just come and fight. He said, leave it, leave it. He said, don't you see some animals? He said, he said, God will give spikes. He said, that's how their bodies, you touch them. He said, he said, but they are alive for a reason. He said, if you look at them in the context of just the spikes, then you should God, you ask God, why are these ones alive? Because if you touch them, it's trouble. He said, but there is something they do, and the spikes save them from something. He said, so you see, even that person is craziness. Look, there is one day that craziness will work. Are you following? Say, in your favor. So you and that's how you begin to develop. All right, you know, inside your soul in terms of, 
you know, even if a person is a toxic person, I mean, you don't bring a toxic person into, 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 I mean, God can even, God can even instruct you, right, if somebody is behaving, that pray for him in the morning, endlessly pray for him. But once you see him at 8 a.m., don't greet him. Walk past him. That is what will bring the change. He can instruct you that that's the wisdom. That the problem with this person is that nobody has dealt with them in this particular way. All right? Just walk past them. Ah, and then they stand and look. <laughs> All right? Now, now please, just, let me just finish this. Because you see it here. Verse 13, it says, James 3, who is a wise man endured? All right? Out of a good conversation. And that's why it says, it says, whosoever prays and ordereth his word, conversation aright. That's the good conversation. The conversation of wisdom. He says his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not, alignment against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, it is sensual, and is devilish. For where there is envy and there is strife, is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is above is first of all pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. And this wisdom that as you were in a situation praying, God began to give you, all right, this wisdom. And that's what I said. Look, there are many things hanging on wisdom. Many things hanging on wisdom. What we say we pray for repairers' wisdom is the ability to be able to, to repair a, a, a broken relationship. Are you following what I'm saying? To, to repair things, to, to understand that if something has deteriorated, the Bible says you'll be repairers of the bridge, restorers of paths to dwell in. You will build waste places. There is the wisdom of the builder. There is the wisdom of a person that can gather 300 men in a cave that are broken and battered and he has the wisdom to build an army out of them. Are you following what I'm saying? And not the person who is saying that I want a ready-made person. Do you get army? Because let me tell you this. If you have the ready-made army, and it is the ready-made army that got you to the throne, the ready-made army will know that they are king and not you. People are not fools. They will know. They will know that we made you, and you did not make us. I remember when I started this church, I mean, I knew people, my friends, I said, ah, God, all these people did not follow, follow me to come and start church. He said, if they had followed you, you, you would have lost your ministry. Because from day one, what they will say is they are the ones. Are you following what I'm saying? All right? So there's that wisdom he talks about in terms of, all right, conflict management, in terms of those things that he wants you, all right, to get in order to be able to do that. And when we don't, Obviously, when we start doing things, all right, just say, well, so what am I supposed to do, all right? You're just supposed to say four things in the morning and four things in the evening. I say four things in the morning, four things in the evening, but you cross everybody out during the day. All right? And then you say, well, what's happening inside my life? And that's what he's talking about here. So we close here. It goes on and says this. He says, but the wisdom that is above is first pure, and he says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace among them that make peace. And so you'll find out that the, the covenant patriarchs, they were men, all right, of peace inside their hearts. 
You could see Isaac there sacrificing his own father's wealth. And then he got to a place and said, there is no more strife in this place. Now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be. So the essence of this message is this. All right. Okay? First thing is this. Just understand this. If you get yourself into exchange of words, somebody says something, you say something back, somebody says something, say something back, you are going to end up a loser. Because the words they say, and you say back, every cell in your body first hears those poisonous words before it injures anybody. He says it goes into every part. So you might feel that I'm going to hurt that person, but it is poison you first set into your own spirit, into your own being. All right? And it weakens every part of your own body. Okay? And it sets ablaze your entire life. So first thing you tell yourself is, I'm going to get myself out of this exchange of words. Now, instead of going the way I used to go, that I thought this is the only way to handle situations, and forget all this nonsense that I say, this is how I am. That's not how you are. <laughs> listen to what I'm saying here. Listen, listen to this. That is the biggest lie ever. All right? Even, even we, it has been scientifically proven that even DNA that came as a result of hereditary, which means from your parents, can be adjusted. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? That is, there's a trait you got from your parents. That thing is a chemical composition that can change. That thing is subject to change. You can rearrange it. If you, if you cannot, then why should God be telling you to be transformed by the renewal of your mind? It can so when somebody comes and says, That's the way I am, you know, and you have to, you have, you have, that's where I am. I'm just a hothead. There's something like that. You understand what I'm saying? You can, you can, if you, if you say that, you are, look, listen, listen, you're going to say that, but even the angels just look at you and say, Leave him where he is, because they cannot function in that place. So you, you can change anything. So the first thing is that you make up your mind that, Look, even if I say something, say something, I fire back. I forgot and go to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I repent. Now, how do I deal with this matter here with, all right, wisdom? Because when you fire back, then not only do you need wisdom to manage it, you need wisdom to repair the repairer's wisdom for what your fire back has, first of all, damaged. All right? Which, which is good for you because then you have capacity now. So God now begins to show you how, all right, to go and you stay there in prayer and develop that. Then you come to a point where, don't you think that somebody who solves people's problems, don't you just imagine this, who resolves crisis, don't you think is the person people will gravitate to? Don't you think that inside an office, how time that person becomes the leader? Don't, don't you think that that person, all right, becomes, all right? And, 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 and that's why, uh, which is why, and I want to say this here, they say suicidal rate is going up all right, all over the world and it's coinciding with the amount of the, this new thing of social media and staying with computers. The reason is that people are getting depressed because they are, they are not resolving things in their lives but just spending time with the computer here. So social skills are diminishing. People don't know how to... I mean, people don't know this because if a child goes to play outside with the friends the child is developing social skills. If a child is playing a game, the child is not developing any social skills. So what is beginning to happen is that we are replacing things 
The child seems to be more intelligent because he can talk about, you know, apps. But really, social skills are dying. All right? And that's what, and, and, and it's so, so. So what begins to happen is that they don't know how to deal with people. They don't know how to talk to people. I've said this before. How to even talk to people, you know, not to escalate a matter, but to at least talk about the issue, but don't escalate it. How do I frame my words, all right, with this particular person? And all of that, all that is going, and, and that's what's causing, right, the um, major problem. Because what, all right, uh, the major problem is that because of that inability to do that. So it's important. And that's why I said on Sunday when I looked at it that, you know, you, we're not going to form a panel and people are just going to feel, well, I have something to do with a particular person. And no, let me not report to these people here. Uh, no report will be taken except you have talked to the person. Because what the Bible says is if somebody transgresses against you, go up to the person and first of all hold a conversation with the person. If the person doesn't listen to you, then go with two or three people. If they don't listen, then it says then you can bring a matter to the church. All right. So it's not a failure because that thing helps you in terms of, okay, because we'll all, the Bible says in many things we offend or people will offend you. But even when we say people offend you, people might even offend you that they didn't offend you, but you were offended. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying? Because you assumed what they weren't even thinking about. There are many people that are angry at people who those people, if they just had a conversation with them, they realize that, you know, uh, that the person didn't even know they were around. All right? So there's, there's, there's what you call perceived grievance that may not be so. All right? Particularly if you are full of yourself. When you are full of yourself, you think everybody's thinking about you. Okay? While you are, while you are suffering from delusions of grandeur, you think everybody's thinking about you. You think the person that walked into the room was it was you they were looking at? It's not you. They were going to where they were going. It's because you are so full of yourself that you feel that everything they say, it's you. All right? It's you, which is why I rarely do counseling. The reason is this. You counsel somebody, you preach the next morning. It sounds like what the person said. They say, so pastor went to preach about me. Okay. So, so I don't like that. And it, it affects ministry. Because once you've counseled somebody on something, you can't preach anything in that line. So long as that person is in the congregation, that person will say, you are talking about. All right. So I've been in places where it is first service. I know that, okay, this person goes to. Because <laughs> you, you have to struggle that. I'm about to say something. Wait a minute. Oh, somebody might read it this way. Then you say that. All right. And you, 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 we've seen people leave church. That's why when I use examples, I never use any name that is known. Because I've done it before. One day I was preaching and I said, uh, for example, Dickiness, you're a Dickiness Angela or something. And apparently there was a lady who joined the church six weeks before who was a Dickiness in a church and her name was Angela. <laughs> and she took serious offense. <laughs> and I just said, oh, what, what are the chances that there's a Dickiness Angela? <laughs> well, there was a Dickiness Angela. And she wrote this long mail to me. So I learned my lesson. <laughs> if you want to be, a, if you want to say a dickiness, just say dickiness, zoo, zoo, kaboom. <laughs> I got wisdom that the chances of zoo, zoo, kaboom. 
are nailed. And so somebody says, why do you even have to think about the name when you are preaching? And construct a name. It's because we have just said Jane and Jill and not know that there was a Jane or there was a, you say, well, for example, now you might not know, maybe it's a coyote that broke up with somebody and you just say that, uh, can you imagine, I am saying that the coyote that broke up with you. <laughs> and coyote came to church for the second time and his friend, Moiwa brought him and they were still discussing how he broke up. And then he looks at me and says, so you mean you are born to tell pastor? All right. About my business. All right. And he says that. And he gets angry. And he leaves. And he goes out. And they ask him, so what happened in Covenant? He says, you will not believe. They gossip from the pew to the pulpit. All right. So you don't want all that trouble on your head. So you say a name that we just make everybody laugh and then we continue and no risks, all right, are involved. So let's assume a young man comes and he's saying, and then let's assume there's a Mr. Wale and then there's a Mr. Enamdi and two of them, you will tell him, okay, next time. Don't say Mr. Wale, say Mr. Wu Wa <laughs> and Mr. Indi Tutu Kaida. <laughs> Met. You say, why are you saying that? You say you'll soon find out. <laughs> if, if, even if it's not, if it's even more dangerous now, because it may not even be in service, may not be in your church, but it's on social media, which worsens it. Then someone says, you mean you went to tell your pastor in your church about my matter? I heard him on social media. He called my name and described what was going on. And then he called somebody. Are you the one that told him? That one says to him, listen to me, I've never met my pastor in my life. I don't know him. What do you mean you don't know him, boy? Just say that. You have caused a necessary fight. I won't say that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word and by the power of your spirit. As you establish us in this truth, in all Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.